This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. But I'd love to start with an image, an image that you would have seen played out hundreds, if not thousands of times in your life. You would have seen it in movies. Uh, you would have, um, songs get sung about it. You probably yourself enacted this or have seen somebody enact it. And it's the image of a young child running with their arms open to their dad. Have you seen that one? Good, just checking, because that'd be really weird if you hadn't. <laughs> and it's this idea of this love-fueled movement uh, as a child just runs to be embraced by their father, full of joy, without ulterior motive, full of trust, just delighting to be with their dad. I get lots of experiences of this, obviously, as, as a father of uh, young, young kids. Um, I had one this morning as well. Uh, Sunday is the only day in the week where I'm up before my son. <laughs> so I was up before my son uh, in, in the study this morning, um, you know, see praying and getting ready for, for this morning. And I hear these little pitter-patter uh, feet um, as he gets out of bed and, and goes in search of me. And uh, we're in a new house. Um, it's pitch dark. That's the kind of time we're waking up in our family. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. His mercies are renewed every day. Um, and, and, and so I, I kind of ch chase him out and I hear this, Daddy, where are you? As he's kind of come to, to look for me. I'm like, Josiah, here I am. So he spins around and he does that love-fueled movement towards his dad. Hey, he runs at me, he throws his arms open and he jumps into my arms. And I'm like, we're not getting up now, buddy. It's far too early. Let's go have a little cuddle in bed for 20 minutes. And so we did that, and we're cuddling in bed. And I said, how much do I love you? And he's like, this much. And I cop a two-year-old's hand in the face. And I'm like, that's right, buddy. That's how much I love you. You know, when children know that they are loved, they can be secure. Uh, when children know that they are loved, they seek out, they want to be with their parents, the ones who love them and who care for them and who watch over them. Uh, when children know that they're loved, they seek out their parents or their dads uh, when they need help or when they need encouragement. They want to show off things so that they can be, be affirmed. Uh, it's this beautiful, loving relationship full of relational intimacy when a child knows that they are loved. And this morning's I want to remind us just that isn't it wonderful. Isn't it moving? Isn't it humbling and genuinely transforming when we know, not just up here, not just because somebody else has said it, but when we know in here that the God of the universe loves us perfectly, wonderfully, completely, deeply, and I put it to you the same as any human child, when we know that we know that we know that we know that we are loved by our Heavenly Father, oh, that changes. That changes everything. And so the encouragement for us is to drink deeply from it this year. In fact, every year. To draw on it and to live from that place of overflow, knowing that we are loved, knowing that we are loved by God. And of course, our heart and our hope, having experienced it for ourselves, is that as many people as possible would also experience that love of God for themselves, yeah? That's one of the reasons we believe that God has placed us in this community, that others around us who don't yet know the love of the Father would come into a relationship with him and experience it for themselves. 
Well, one of the guys who uh, experienced it and was genuinely transformed by this love of God is recorded for us um, in our Bibles. A um, guy by the name of, of John. Uh, he's one of Jesus' closest friends, one of Jesus' closest disciples, Peter, James, uh, John. And so John gets to spend three years shadowing Jesus, seeing the ways that Jesus talked about the love of God, seeing the way that Jesus would pursue those that the religious leaders of the day might say are unworthy of, of such love. He got to himself, experience, no doubt, in the closest of relationship, what that love of God was like as it was expressed through God the Son in relationship with him. And you can tell that it changed him, that it filled his cup, so to speak. Uh, there's a number of moments throughout, um, throughout his gospel accounts where he refers to himself in the third person. Does anyone know what he refers to himself as? The disciple whom Jesus loved. His own sense of self and self-worth, his identity, the kind of the core description of who he was, was wrapped up in this understanding and in this experience that he was loved by God, loved by the Father, loved by the Son. Later on, he writes not just an account of the life of Jesus, but a letter to encourage the Christian churches that had, that had sprung up in the decades since. And he opens his book reminding people that actually he'd seen this. This wasn't just some ethereal thing or some, some teaching that he kind of put his faith and trust in. But he opens his letter saying, that which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. John's experienced the love of God expressed through God the Son for himself, in person, and it's profoundly shaped him. And he writes this letter that speaks so much about the love of God and what it means for us to be shaped by the love of God, to have the love of God flow out from our lives in the ways that we treat particularly other people and all that kind of stuff. And it kind of reaches this lovely crescendo midway through. This is John, uh, 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, kind of our anchor verse for today. And he just writes, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. See what great love the Father has lavished, has poured out abundantly, has not withheld or not given temporarily or not given a small measure and say, well, see if you're trustworthy with that before I fill the rest of the cup. But see what great love the Father has lavished, poured out in abundance on us. And yet that is what he has done. And this is now who we are, the beloved children of God, those who know that they are loved and can run just like a little child, hands up, full of faith, full of confidence, joyfully, without ulterior motive, without needing to prove ourselves into the loving arms of our Heavenly Father whenever we need it. That's a cool image, isn't it? And that is the spiritual reality for each and everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus. Is that your current experience of your relationship with God? Is that your current experience of your relationship with God? 
Well, whenever we talk about love, it's hard not to think about a wedding day, is it? And uh, a day that's really about the focus of, of two people's love for one another. It's the center of attention. And, and after a really hot and humid week, which I'm not used to as a Canberra Alpine boy, and uh, I've done a lot of sweating, so I was reminded of a particularly memorable wedding that I conducted. That was one of the first ones I conducted, and it was hot and humid just like this week. And I'm sitting there conducting the ceremony. I think this was only maybe about my third wedding I'd ever conducted. Uh, and because of the heat, there goes one of the groomsmen, uh, just, just fainted mid-service, <laughs> mid and I uh, didn't really know what to do. Is he okay? All right, should we continue? All right, cool. Uh, give him a drink of water and, and, um, and carry on. Um, but the reason that, wed that particular wedding um, was memorable to me was not just because of the fainting groomsmen, um, so pro tip, drink water, if, you know, it, it works, um, but it was actually about the wedding vows. Uh, I'd had the chance to journey with this couple in the lead-up to their marriage, and um, the husband was, um, they, were both, they were both young, um, but the young guy was one of the most gentle, kind, patient, loving people you would ever meet. Absolutely besotted um, with his bride. Completely trustworthy, uh, a man of integrity. You know, the kind of guy, as a dad, you'd be like, you would be welcome to marry my daughter <laughs> in time. Um, and she likewise was an incredibly kind and compassionate and, and loving uh, and loving young lady who kind of was quite happy to receive the love and very keen to work towards marriage. Uh, and yet for her, there was this real struggle when it came to writing the vows because they wanted to write their own vows. Uh, and he wrote these beautiful, beautiful vows expressing the, the highest level of, of commitment and, and covenant, all the stuff that you would expect and you would hope for uh, in a Christian wedding. Um, she had a real trouble embracing that and, and, and receiving that. Um, not because she didn't love her dad, but she, sorry, her husband, but she'd had a different experience of, of her father. And so she'd seen something completely different modelled at home. Uh, her dad was a, was a good guy, but a, but a broken man in, in many ways with uh, repeated um, failure to live up to his covenant blessings around faithfulness. And so this young girl kind of was in this place of like, I, I accept and I, I kind of trust the love that I'm experiencing at the moment, but I just don't know if you can really promise to, to always be faithful. Ever experienced that? Just that idea that, that something else can actually make it really hard to trust in something over here. And I just recognize that for so many people, when we talk about the, the love of God, the love of the Father, that often that can be undermined or that can be hard. It can actually be hard to trust in and hard to receive and hard to embrace and hard to rely on if our experience of earthly love, human love, be that romantic or from a father, um, has been less than perfect, has been marred and broken in some way. Or maybe as we've grown up and we've heard um, all manner of people preach all manner of things about us or uh, about God, we've somehow in there missed the bit that he loves us before we clean ourselves up. And so we see that God has indeed loved us and lavished upon us and poured out his great love for us, but we're a little reluctant to truly trust in it. We're happy to in enjoy it in the moment, but in the back, we're fearful that at some point, if we do the wrong thing, say the wrong thing, don't do the right thing, God might take that away. It's been my experience as a pastor of many years um, that drinking deeply from the love of the Father, actually embracing it, not just knowing about it, can be really hard for some people. 
And so we worked really hard together, that couple, in the lead up to their marriage, to undo so many false narratives that she was carrying. To actually to remind her that not to take on the life of her dad as the example, but to look at the reality of this man and how he was treating her. To look for proof, to look for the ways that what he said matched the way that he treated her. And to come to that place of genuinely believing that his tensions were as stated. You know, I don't know if you're here and maybe you're visiting. Um, maybe you come here searching for faith. Maybe that little example strikes a little bit too close to the bone. So allow me just to remind you for a few minutes, if I can, just how much and how perfectly and how wonderfully God loves you. The true testimony of the scriptures is that there is a God who lovingly created all that is. How great the love the Father has for us. That with intention and delight and out of love, he created you and he created me. And he placed in us his very image. We are the image bearers of God. And so we are born with inherent dignity and worth in love. That he knits us together in our mother's womb. That he knows us so intimately. The number of hairs on our head are scarily reducing number on my head anyways. Um, but that is the level of intimacy that he knows us. How great the love the Father has lavished on us. That this God's self-revelation, as he describes who he is, he describes himself this way in Exodus 34. That I am the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God. I'm slow to anger and I am abounding in love. Abounding in love. That's who I am. That's the resources that I bring. That's what I lavish. That's what I pour out. I'm abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands, forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. This is how God describes himself to his people. And throughout the scriptures, we see evidence, we see the proof, we see the outworking of a God who is love. As he lovingly and faithfully and committedly tracks with the people on whom his affection rests. And they wander, and they do things wrong, and they don't always even treat him relationally. And yet God's love and his covenant, his faithfulness to his promises, stay true and he stays with them. John celebrates this proof in, in chapter 4. Where he reminds us that God does not just say that he loves us. God does not just have good intentions. But God has faithfully and consistently demonstrated this love. 1 John 4 verse 9, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as atoning sacrifice for our sins. God is love. And we love because he first loved us. We've literally got every moment of the history of our world proving and demonstrating God's great love his creation and his great love for each of us and these are really challenging messages to give in church because chances are if you've been at church more than a few weeks you will already know it up here at least you could probably come up here and teach it as well and so the challenge is to get it sometimes from here down into here from something that we know we're filled with that we 
are glad we're filled with, but we don't draw deeply, we don't drink deeply from into something that is, uh, just like John, at the center of our very identity and life and the way that we live. David Jackman, I'm going to give a shout out to Johnny here for putting this in the uh, small group resources this week. Great quote. Uh, David Jackman on 1 John 3.1, he writes this. John is warning us to grasp how radically different from all other sorts of love God's agape love really is. The force of what he's writing is that we need to take time to contemplate this love and allow its reality to sink down into the depths of our being. We need to allow it to fill our cup. It's meant to take our breath away. It's meant to startle and amaze us so that we are left gasping. What kind of love is this? And the word that John uses there, what, in, well, it's translated often what uh, in verse 1, originally means of what country. It's a word expressing surprise in encountering something foreign, something that we are not used to. We are not used to this kind of love. The disciples use this word in Matthew 8, verse 27, when amazed by the power of Jesus instilling the storm on Galilee, they exclaim, what kind of man is this? He's in a different category from everything else we've come across before, and so is the Father's love for us. Would you know that you know that you know that you are loved by an eternal God who has placed his affection on you? A God who does not change like shifting shadows, a God who is the same yesterday, today, and forever. A God who continues to faithfully pursue you with his love and call you into relationship and fill your cup to overflowing, lavishing his love, his great love on you. How are we doing? We've got one more point in us? Yeah. Oh, you do? Oh, cool. All right. Because otherwise, we'd, I can call it there. <laughs> So I think um, for some of us, it's actually really hard to trust in, like, like that girl writing her marriage vows, and we got there, and it was beautiful, and you should have heard the marriage vows that she wrote. It was unbelievable. Um, but for some of us, as I said, sometimes it's hard to embrace because we know or we feel inherently that we're a little unworthy of this love. Has anybody ever experienced that? You don't need to raise your hands. Just internally, you just, just, just recognize that, yeah... Sometimes I find it a little bit hard to embrace that, a little bit hard to run to the Father like a, like a son throwing his arms up because I know that I've stuffed up. I know that I've messed up. I know that I'm messy. I, I had this experience when I, was a, when I was a boy, and we won't go into the gory details because oh, my parents are watching online, um, but uh, there was an incident, let's just call it that, um, in um, our backyard where my sister may have... Uh, Ooh, uh, accidentally, uh, well, let's be honest, it wasn't accidentally, um, copped a little bit of injury to her face uh, at my result. Uh, and so I, instead of running to my parents, like my sister did, ran and... Correct. <laughs> that is, uh, and ever since then, and, and it's the story of Adam and Eve, isn't it? Whenever we stuff up, whenever we feel really broken, whenever we're really aware of the, the mess, the way that we are living, that we know we're not really meant to, to live, we end up, instead of running to God and, and drinking and drawing from that great love that he's lavished upon us, we run and hide, not embracing it, but actually going, I feel so unworthy of that, I, I can't even take a sip, let alone drink it deeply. You, you, you know what I'm saying? Well, one, of the, one of the stories that I've told over the years, and I'm sorry getting a lot of kids' stories today, but it is about the love of the Father, um, that really landed for, for me and for, for a bunch of other people um, was a story of, uh, well, let me put it this way. How many of you have had kids and fed them spaghetti? Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Uh, so this was this was back in our, in our previous home when um, uh, our young boy was was even younger again. So he was about about one years old, and he loved spaghetti. I mean, what's not to love, right? Um, but when a one year old or one and a half year old eats spaghetti, I mean, it is an embodied experience, and uh, it is something truly to behold. I mean, we would put knives and spoons out, foolish parents. Uh, I mean, sometimes he'd, he'd use them, but much preferred using what God gave him, the instruments that God gave him. And so the spaghetti would be in the hands and it would be in the mouth. And, uh, you know, the coordination of a one-and-a-half-year-old is not that great. And so it would be, you know, his whole face would be covered in spaghetti. He's, you know, up to his elbows would be covered in spaghetti. The table would be covered in, in the sauce. And, well, I mean, you know, that mouth is pretty small and that handful is pretty big. So all down, I mean, you guys have been there, right? right? If you've ever watched or seen or fed uh, a young child's spaghetti, you know, you know what it's about um, the piece of that question that that picture that I've, I've never quite worked out is how they get it underneath them <laughs> but somehow the commitment is such that even though they haven't lifted themselves off themselves but when you actually pick them up to clean them up it's underneath them as well so here's my son Josiah completely covered completely messy completely at one and a half, unaware, blissfully unaware of his mess. Now, if that, that was us, and we'd be so aware of the mess, we'd feel so unworthy, and we would run and hide from God, right? And he would follow his sister's lead, bless his heart, and um, he'd grab some tissues, and he'd try and clean himself up. He'd kind of wipe his face, he'd just kind of mush stuff even more into the table, and um, he'd be done. How capable is my son of cleaning himself up in that moment. And if I had to wait as his dad, as the one who loves him, the one who brought him into this world, if I had to wait until my son Josiah cleaned himself up before I would let him near me again, how long would I have to wait? And is that my heart? Is that my desire as his dad? On those spaghetti nights, the best place Josiah could be was in my arms or Kay's arms. And we'd go and we'd wash him off and we'd clean him up and we'd clean his clothes and we'd give him the hugs and we'd give him the love and, and all that kind of stuff. How great the love that the Father has lavished us on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. Friends, God knows exactly what's going on for each and every one of us. And the scripture says he discerns our thoughts from afar. He knows the very inclination of our hearts, the things that we haven't even given voice to, he knows. And knowing that, he pursues us with his love. He enters this world. He lays down his life, demonstrating his great love for us, a love that's not dependent on how clean or morally upright we are no matter how much we've managed to sort ourselves out or not no matter what other people say of us or what we internally say about ourselves no matter our experience of earthly fathers and their love and their example no matter our experience of of love or the lack thereof from others around us friends romantic or otherwise the truth is that we are wonderfully perfectly and eternally loved by God that this is his initiating grace in our lives, where his love comes to us 
before we're even aware that we need it, before we're ready, but God's love is there. God is a present and a personal God, a perfect and loving heavenly Father who has lavished his love upon us. And so as we think about what it means to be filled to overflowing, would you drink deeply from his love? Would you draw deeply from his love? Would you fill your cup regularly, often with his love? Not just knowing that God loves you, but knowing and embracing the love of the Father. And let that spill over into that beautiful, love-fueled movement towards God in your life, constantly and always. Arms up, running to your loving Heavenly Father. We're going to mark and celebrate this with a time of communion now. I'm going to pray for you. So set up around um, our room. What the scriptures celebrate is one of the highest demonstrations, one of the highest proofs that we can have, some of the biggest confidence that we can have that we are loved by God like this. Jesus Christ laid down his life in order to restore us to right relationship with God. We're going to have a song playing over it by a guy by the name of Mac Brock called I Am Loved, celebrating how loved he is by the Father. And I just pray that in this time that the Holy Spirit would minister to your hearts because I know how often it is to hold that up here and not down here. But I tell you what, when you drink deeply, when you embrace that, when you have the love of God as core to your identity, changes everything, my friends. So let me pray. Father, we do want to come before you humbled and amazed, moved, changed in light of the truth that you love us. That you love us. That you love each and every one of us. Holy Spirit, I pray as we remember what Jesus has done for us, that you would confirm afresh over us and and in us what John has proclaimed, the great love of the Father lavished upon us that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. And so, God, we want the overflow of that in our life is for us to be like little children who run to you, who trust you, who look to you, who seek you out, who have confidence and security and identity wrapped up in our relationship with you. For any and all this morning who feel far from that for whatever reason, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would draw them near afresh, that you would reveal truth afresh. And for each of us, that we would not just know, but experience that wonderful, eternal, perfect Love of our heavenly dad. We love you, Abba Father. We love being your children. We delight in the love that has been poured out in our lives. Help us receive it in in ever greater, increasing measure, we pray. In Jesus' name. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.